with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Take a text at nine seven one three six. It's our second to last show and the last one for Dan in the the studio. In the studio down, after this, be down in Lakeland. You know, I am a little concerned. I mean, when you start the the spring season this hot, eighty five to eighty seven every day, that's what it looks like for the next week. I just wonder if that's too much. Well, in be. other words, will I be able to make the adjustment when I land next Wednesday? No, you'll be fine. The problem, the problem <laughs> is, is that uh, when that cool air starts blowing off of Lake Parker, which it always eventually does, you know, the, the weather is, you know, it's nice. It's down the in best. Florida. Let's face it; it's the best time of year to be in Florida. It is, and uh, it's it's nice. And you know, you do have some cool days, but when you have the cool days, they'll be welcome. You know, and That's they're right. not they're not like cold days here. No, it is funny though. All of a sudden, sixties chilly. You're like, oh, it's I, I've got to put on those light jackets, and you in. feel that wind coming. <laughs> That's what I always thought. You know, nothing, but nothing like the swaying palm trees. You know, no. just the kind of look. And Lakeland's a beautiful town, and it's a beautiful ballpark, and they put a lot into it. So. You spent a few years down there, like three years of my life, or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been a while since I've been down there. But I, I got to tell you, I grew to love Lakeland. Uh, and uh, the Tigers' tradition of going down. Did you ever stay at the old Holiday Inn Hotel, which was the team hotel for years before players started to, well, stay in apartments and other other areas around Lakeland? Yeah, I did. Uh, the first, uh, I remember staying there one year when I went down just to cover it for WWJ. Yeah, it was a Holiday Inn Central, and uh, that was yeah, the team headquarters. Right, and I ate at CDBs, and uh, <laughs> I remember the the place that I always loved. Uh, and only went in there a time or two. It was a place called Vito's, which was right on uh, Florida. And, uh, you know, you'd see it, and I always thought it was kind of curious. It had a big sign on there. It said, Vito's. And it said, it was a, a pizzeria, and it said, air conditioned. I'm like, wow. <laughs> big sign. I mean, that, that sign must have been up there. Point. It must have been up there for a long time. <laughs> but, yeah, we were talking about it a little earlier. When I covered uh, baseball, I got a good, it was good to cover because, uh, you know, I would sit out in the bullpen during the games. Hey, which you is, told me that, and I'm like, wait a minute, in the bullpen? In the bullpen. Like As every in Tiger training. relievers might be getting the, up and I'd getting be, ready. I'd You're down sitting, there. What were you doing in the bullpen? I was sitting there. Uh, actually, at the time, I had a terrible habit of chewing tobacco, and I'd be sitting there spitting there. And the pitchers didn't mind a, a no, beat be, reporter be, sitting in the bullpen? I'd be sitting right next to them talking to them. <laughs> Sparky would come down and join us sometimes. Things were a little different. He was, oh, yeah, he'd get a little bored down there, and he'd come down there and go, Jays, you know, about like March 20th or so. <laughs> Game's just duller than dishwater. You know, I, you know, you need some cool memories, but it was a good time. You used to, in Winter Haven, you'd sit uh, right, right next to the field. Winter Haven was that classic throwback Bull Durham type of minor yeah. league ballpark. It absolutely was, and... uh you know, that was, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, Tom Gage and I would go to all the different road trips. And back then it was, you know, like now there's uh, kind of a separation and distance. Uh, but back then, though, we lived closer to Plant City uh, one year <laughs> than we did uh, the actual ballpark. And, you know, one of the, where the golf course was, Imperial Lakes. I stayed all over that city. But, uh, you know, one of, my, one of the classic things I had is I was in spring training. I rented a house. And uh, it was always cheaper to rent a house after a always. while than, than yeah. you know, in the hotels, you know, they've gotten more. Uh, but the, 
It was a house. House, a house is better. Had a house up, uh, you know, the, you know, north of the ballpark. Yep. You know, up thirty three. It was perfect location. I had all kinds of different houses that I rented during the time. There's one guy, you know, he wanted that check, and I got him the check. You know, paper pay for it ahead of time, save money. Paper would, wouldn't mind that. It was a nice house. I mean, three bedrooms. You know. Big screen TV before that was such a big deal. <laughs> you know, everything was there, except the guy was supposed to go with his wife. He was a retired fella uh, on a, a search of America in his uh, camper. And, uh, you know, that's what he was going to do. He's going to head so out. And he that's was gone, available to you. Six weeks, he was going to go travel the country. Then he changed his mind. So, But he still wanted me to stay in the house. So <laughs> what he did is he lived in the backyard. What? He lived in the backyard in his camper. He lived in the backyard. In the backyard while I rented the house. <laughs> so it'd be like, hey, can I come into the house? No, I, I cannot make that up. So the entire spring training, he lived in the house. So, but, you well, know, I had a lot of fun. You know? <laughs> Did you guys hang out a little bit or uh, not much? <laughs> it was different. You know, like one year, uh, well, a couple of years, I lived in this place uh, by the Cracker Barrel there up on 30, 33 off the, you know where it's yeah. at. And uh, just to turn down there, you know, they got a gas station there. And, uh, you know, right in this, it was an older complex, but it was nice. And uh, Ernie Harwell always stayed there. And he, he lived, like, right next to me or a couple doors down. I always go over there. Uh, Lulu Harwell make me, because that was before I got married. And I was, they always felt sorry for me, and justifiably so, because you want to come over and eat dinner? And I was always over there, you know, eating dinner or, you know, uh, things like that. So that was uh, wonderful. And it's like Greg Gore State. Remember the pitcher? Sure. We used to come play basketball, you know. I was like, <laughs> on the basketball courts they had. That's were, great. So, yeah, we had fun. But there was like a woodpecker right outside the uh, thing. It would be, in Florida, there's all kinds of bizarre stuff that happens, you know, that you don't get in other places. So, but I remember the old Red Barn, that restaurant, it burned down a few years ago. I love that place. Everybody in baseball would be there at that, you know, you'd go there. It was kind of a central location. You'd always run into, you know, to people. But yeah, there's a lot of great stories from that, you know. But, you know, Bo was the president of the team. And when Mike Illich bought the team, Bo was fired, right? So Bo comes back with Jim Campbell to spring training, and they didn't go to Lakeland. They went to see the team in Kissimmee. You know, there was like, you know, kind of a, I don't know, some I don't know, animosity or whatever. So my friend Tony DeMarco comes in. He says, hey, you know, where's a good place? Yeah, so Mario's is a good place. It's an Italian restaurant down there. It's the best place. I said, you know, he said, let's go there because we're both Italian. We grew up eating Italian food. He's, you know, very close to me. My buddy, and uh, he, I said, no, man, we can't go there because all these Tiger officials are there. I'm tired of seeing the Tiger officials and everything. I said, Gary Vito will be there. You know, Campbell is in town. He eats there all the time, you know, and all this stuff. I said, I really don't want to see them. So anyway, he says, well, we got to go, okay? I don't want to go to, you know, a chain restaurant. I want to go to that, okay? So we Authentic. go there. Yeah, we go there. So we go into the restaurant. We walk in. And uh, the first thing I do is I see Bo and Sparky and Jim Campbell sitting at the table, Gary Vito sitting at another table or whatever. And I said, I'm not going to bother him or whatever, just ate. And then the next day I see Sparky at the ballpark, you know, and Sparky goes, oh, he goes, Bo saw you when you first walked in. He goes, there goes Michigan State. He could never forget that I went to Michigan State. <laughs> of 
course not. That's all he could think about was that I went to Michigan <laughs> State. So there you go. But you're going down there. You're going to have fun. No, yeah. And in the coming hour, we'll talk about some of the things, you know, we're both looking forward to in terms of uh, me being able to see it firsthand. But you, I know, always are watching, listening uh, in terms of what – because spring training is not the best time to evaluate. But you can get a sense of, especially young players – some some of these guys are going to make the team based on their spring performance. Right. That is not the best way, as anybody will tell you, to to make a roster because a lot of these guys don't have experience at the major league level or limited major league experience, so there's no other way to judge them. And uh, it, it's going to be an interesting wide-open battle, and there are, there are definitely a list of guys I'm looking forward to seeing that we'll talk about during the hour. Well, I'll tell you one thing for sure, that uh, uh, February 23rd game, you're doing a game from Tampa, they're playing the Yankees. I'll be listening. Well, I always listen to that first game, uh, and I listen throughout. I just, I'm addicted to the sounds of it. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I we love A little bit of background uh, background noise for people and just make them think warm thoughts for uh, a few weeks. That's good. Nothing like That's hearing good. The, the, the crack, crack of, of the, the bat. bat. <laughs> and you hear it pretty good. And that's going to be a statement game on Friday. It is. It is. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, you know, Florida Southern game. Again, look at that one, too. They get the crack of the aluminum against the crack of the <laughs> But anyway. Uh, we'll be, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Two, four, eight, five, three, nine, 97, 97. We'll get to your calls next. I'm sorry to tell my stupid old story. He lived in the backyard. I love it. He lived in the backyard. 97 won the ticket. Two, four, eight, five, three, nine, 97, 97. Chris Fazio, Tiger pitching coach, uh, will join us at seven forty-five here from Florida. Uh, love to hear from you. Like, uh, Corey, you're on... Tiger Talk and ninety-seven won the ticket. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Appreciate you taking my call. Hey, um, you know I, I'm great. It's awesome that you're having Chris Bazio on. But I was doing a little research. I noticed that the Tigers don't necessarily have a biomechanics expert, and I've always found that the Tigers organization have always been a little behind the curve as far as you know analytics and, and things of that nature. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Actually, uh, was it Ron Gardenhire or Al? No, I think it was Al who was talking about uh, during Tiger Fest that exact thing in terms of using the technology to analyze pitchers' motions. It was all about they got somebody proper now. mechanics yeah. and keeping pitchers' arms healthy. Right, and they are that is something new that they are. I don't know if he revealed it at Tiger Fest, but they hadn't talked about it really before. Yeah, and it is something new that they are doing and taken very seriously. I know they uh, had uh, the uh, the whole thing with deliveries because I remember talking to Jeff Jones about it. So they've had some of that. But uh, actually, what you're talking about, Corey, they're aware of. Uh, they agree with you about um, talking about Alavila and their management that they need to get ahead of the curve instead of behind it. Um, Absolutely. And they, uh, they've, you know, it's like Al, one of the things he talked about when he's on with us, he also talked about it at Tiger Fest. He also talked about it when, you know, I was just talking to him this winter uh, one day. Is about, you know, uh, he needed money, like seven hundred thousand, like stat for storage. <laughs> in their, I, in I their, remember that in interview their, <laughs> in, their, in their system, and he's like, he had to call Chris Hillich immediately. Got that because Chris Hillich understands that. Uh, they've added, uh, I think they got uh, a staff that's going to be, you know, as large as anybody. But they're building it, and they're trying to uh, get it to the point where they can take it and apply it uh, practically. Uh, to everything that they're doing from injury evaluation to what you're talking about with the mechanics. And, you know, they understand that. They they do understand uh, where they've fallen behind that. Uh, and that's, 
that's part of what they're, you know, they're, they just knew, know that, that they've fallen behind. They understand why, uh, because they were going for it and they were doing everything they could, and that was what their concentration was. And they plan to go for it again, uh, but uh, it's it's going to be after building a yeah. nucleus and doing it. This and the way. infrastructure spending isn't the sexy spending. It doesn't grab your eye. It's no. not. It's not you know a whole lot of fun. Where's the money? Well, they are spending money on the infrastructure, whether it's an additional team in the Dominican, more scouts, and the analytics department. Right. That's that's the kind of thing. That's I think that that's why Al says if anybody questions Chris Illich's desire to own this team because it does seem to come up as a topic. Right? Does he really want to own? Does he want to sell? He's putting a lot into the infrastructure that that Al feels very strongly will make this a more solid franchise once they've rebuilt this they're, team. You're not looking at just uh, – they figure you know, it's going to be like a couple years, uh, and then they'll spend money. That's the plan. It's not they're going to be in perpetual not spending money. Like Oakland, you know, uh, trading <laughs> – Perpetual that's not one spending. The, that's why, you know, like the Michael Fulmer thing, you know, it's very unlikely going to happen with him having five years of control. Uh, the Tigers having five years of control of Michael Fulmer. Uh, but, you know, it also 10 years down the road, they want to have, you know, an organization that's, you know, uh, ahead of the curve and right. behind it. So, And Al, Al is uniquely qualified in a way uh, with his international uh, experience. You know, his father, Ralph, I'd, it's Avila, Ralph Avila. Uh, you know, you should, you know, if there was a scouting hall of fame, he'd be like one of the first inductees and, uh, you know, going down when he was younger and, uh, being with him as he conducted trial camps, did all these things that laid the groundwork down there, not only for the Dodgers and what they did, uh, when they were way ahead of that curve, but for all of baseball and he signed, you know, Cabrera, uh, uh, Renteria Sanchez, these guys for the the Marlins uh, back in the day that were Alex Gonzalez that were key uh, for them. I read something in one of our preview magazines. You and I, I think, buy the same three every year. Lindy's, Athlon, now it's Street and Smith instead of Sporting News. One of them, and I can't remember which one, uh, they all grade the, the, each segment of the team that said front office, Alavila, something to the effect of, I don't have the words just right, you know, in over his head. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? In other words, this is a guy, Dave left, and they promoted this guy, but he's not really the right guy. This is a right. weak front. And I'm just thinking, l- look at his background. Right. To me, it's one of the most diverse backgrounds that you will ever get in terms of, I mean, the years he spent scouting I Central agree. America, driving. Well, he, co- he coached in college. Nicaragua. And, well, he, I mean, he, he scouted it all. He has seen it all. And then you said he, his dad, I mean, he has done so many different things. But he has an understanding of what it takes also to build a team. Right. Who do you think made all the de- made the recommendations for the deals that Dave Dombrowski made? <laughs> I mean, it was Al Avila and his staff. Yeah. And it will take years to figure out how well he did trading away the value that he traded away last summer. But the early returns certainly suggest he got a nice haul, depending on the trade and depending on when the trade was made. That certainly have rebuilt this farm system, but that that comment just stuck uh, stuck with me. It just kind of like, how can you possibly a evaluate him this early, but b you're ignoring his history? Well, I think uh, you may not know it. You know, with local writers when they write about something, may know somebody a little bit better. Al's trained his entire life for this. He's been trained exactly. He coached college baseball. He had a very clear vision of what he wanted to do when he was given that five year deal, and he also uh, his son's a major league player. You know, I mean, all those different things come in. You know, people say, well, but that's important. He understands certain things. 
Also, in today's world, he understands the international aspect of the game better than anybody I know. Uh, multilingual, you know, all the he's, uh, you know, but he, uh, the only question I have, and I don't know, and Al doesn't know yet, you know, the ability to make the big decision. And mm-hmm. the one thing I liked about the trades is that he showed that ability. The, the Wild Lugo trade was better than what I thought when he made it. At the time, widely panned at the time. Well, I talked to a lot of people. A lot of people had seen Lugo play, uh, had gotten, and there were other players involved in that deal uh, as well. But uh, I thought he pulled the trigger too early. But it turns out Lugo is a little bit better prospect than what you know I was told and anticipated. Yeah. Um, the the Astros trade, he went right down to the limit and did and rejected a weak offer in July. Yes. When Verlander, he he he, he did what he was supposed to do when his leverage was best. I thought the the Cubs trade was very good in retrospect. With Might have been the best one in terms of what they traded away and what they got in return. Well, it depends on like Isaac Paredes. Right. It always depends on what the prospects sure. end up doing. But uh, it takes three, sometimes five years to figure out how good a trade was. But if you look at like when the Royals got Kane, and uh, that's the one that I always think of. You know, and uh, es- was it Escobar who they got from uh, uh, the uh, uh, Brewers in the uh, Granky deal? That really helped to make them uh, the type of team that they became. And, and it took a while. Carlos Carrasco, right, who was a big piece. And I don't even know, was it the Lee trade right. to Philadelphia? It took forever for him. And it, then when he clicked, obviously, <laughs> that's a pretty key piece in that rotation. And if you ever want to look, and I don't know, Willie Adonis will make his major league debut at some point this year. If you ever want to look at all the players, say the Tigers farm system has been horrible, all you got to do is look around baseball and see that it really hasn't been. Right, they traded away some nice pieces. If they had all those pieces right now, they would be in a better position to move forward in the future. That's where Scott Boros and, uh, you know, talking about it. I remember when Gibby only got a two-year, $3 million offer from the Tigers. Even in 1988 money, that was a friggin' joke. In collusion, the Major League Baseball should have gotten busted for this. But for J.D. Martinez to be insulted about five years and $125 million, that's a little bit different than what Gibby went through. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, and Jack. Yeah, the market this winter, to me, there are there are many reasons, I think, for it. There, it's, it's not one thing or another. I don't think it's collusion, but it is somewhat surprising that everybody came to the same conclusion that uh, it's wiser to spend on young players than guys who are heading into their 30s. But the point, I think, is... This market could could have been very different. I mean, what if Eric Hosmer takes seven years, $147 million back in December? Right. I think it could have changed the market. I really do. That's a pretty darn good offer, and he's holding out for eight or nine years. If you told me going in that that's what he wanted, I would have said you're never going to get that. Right. Five years, 125 is about what I think the average person would have. I mean, those who look at this would have thought that's probably a reasonable offer for J.D. Martinez before this became a slow market. Well, he's 30 years old. His analytics defensively and base running aren't good, especially right. defensively. And that's dragged down his value a little bit. And if bit. you look at the Tigers for all they did to try to win it, the analytics-based teams that did it that way, the Cubs, the Astros, the Royals, they're the ones who got the big prize. So there is a blueprint. And the Yankees are in that spot to do it again, partially, in a big part, because they decided to do it that way. So you got to be smart. I mean, the Tigers have wised up, in my opinion. That's all it is. Wising up. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. He's Double D Dan Dickerson. I'm Pat Caputo. Uh, we'll get to your phone calls coming up next. Chris Bazio, Tigers pitching coach at seven forty five. Tiger Talk ninety seven won the ticket. 
Hey, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Ticket text at 97136. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, Kristen, you're on Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Good. How are you? Yeah, I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on how uh, you think that Ron Gardenhire being a new manager in old school will change and will kind of get the young team pumped up going into the season. I think it's just his his manner, his style. I think uh, you already have read about the you know the early PFP pitchers fielding practice, which can be boring as heck. But he's out there fielding ground balls and or feeding balls to pitchers covering first base. He wants to see how they do it, and then then so it's hands on, and the feedback is direct from the manager. And I, I think that matters. Stuff like that does matter. I think he has that ability to connect with players, mm-hmm. and when you can connect and. I just think that's one further step to getting the most out of players. And he's got a right. gift for that. I mean, I just watched him all those years in Minnesota. Had a lot of good pregames. I always made sure I got him at least once a year, if not twice a year on the pregame. Uh, but he just he has that knack. And there's a certain mm-hmm. certain style of play. I just think you will notice it, too. Whatever the win-loss total is, I do think you will notice a certain style of play that is a crisper, better game to watch. I think that will be his major impact. Okay. And do you think that uh that uh you think that like when he'll get the younger guys pumped up and do you think that, you know, as being an older manager, do you think that the young guys will connect to him a little bit better? Well I know this. Uh you know, it's like he said, dude, I'm not that old, you know, when his news conference he really isn't <laughs> right. that old. I don't even think he's sixty yet, so Right. Um, you know, I don't think that that's an issue. Uh, one of the things that uh, I wasn't enthralled with the hire only from this standpoint. I'm big into analytics things, and I, but just the things that we were talking about, and uh, and that part of it, uh, he hasn't been somebody that's was up to date at least until he went to Arizona last year. And we'll have to see on that. But the one thing you know that'll be interesting: the Tigers' base running has been terrible. For as long yeah. as I can remember. Pitchers well, fielding has been terrible. They cost themselves a lot of runs. They give away a lot of runs. And I, I think people would appreciate it if they stopped giving away uh, that amount of runs that played uh, fundamental baseball. Not that Osmonds didn't work on it, but I don't know if the, the message got through, you know, that much. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've always been kind of a star, one-dimensional uh, type of team. Will they play it? The, you know, as Dan mentioned, his brand of ball will be cool. And I, But I don't think he'll have any trouble identifying. No. with players. No. You know, because Leland was older, and it didn't ever right. matter. He was far better than a lot of younger managers. I mean, it, it isn't an age thing. Right. If you have a joy for the game and you love teaching it and you love making right. guys play a certain way and, and watching that happen on the field, you can connect to any any age, yeah. 20 yeah. to 40. Yeah. It's it's very yeah, – yeah. go ahead. I really like, you know, I really like the, uh, the hiring of him because I think he'll be great for the team and uh, – so that's what I think. So, well, thanks for the thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I appreciate thanks, it. Christian. I liked, uh, you know, when I asked him at uh, Tiger Fest, I said, hey, uh, you know, what do you think of the bun? You know, because of the, the sacrifice bun is always, you know, when are you going to bun? Whenever I friggin' feel like it. <laughs> so it bun. helps us win a game. Yeah, so, you know, I think you'll still see some uh, managing by feel, which can be a good thing. Um, and hopefully, you know, they'll take those uh, percentages you know, it's always a percentage chance better. You know, when you look at a metrically and you're able to break it down situationally, 
Uh, they'll apply that and have a good blend. Yeah, the of gift is the gift is you know what the numbers say. You know what might give you advantage in this situation. The gift is you know that that guy in the bullpen that you might bring in for this matchup is gassed, even though he's maybe only worked two consecutive days, not three, right. and or he just doesn't match up well against this particular lefty that you want to bring him into face. That's that's where the blending comes in, and that's right. where I think his his smarts from all of his years of managing come in. He is still learning how to use the analytics. Joe Vavra is going to be a big piece of this staff. Well, he's the guy he, who worked he, with Paul Molitor in Minnesota last year, feels that analytics helped them to that 26-win improvement. He's now the guy who's going to make sure the, in, the, the analytics are, are translated, if you will, to the clubhouse. That'll be interesting. Most of his staff doesn't have that background. Uh, Basio does because he worked with Joe Madden, who we're going to talk to. It's uh, coming up here very shortly, within the next 10 minutes, 7.45. And... Uh, you know, you mentioned Vardy, who worked one year in Minnesota uh, with that, or two years, two years with it. No, it was a one or two. I'm trying to think when the new GM came in. But Minnesota, uh, with their analytics, you know, and it wasn't just analytics, it was improvement, but they improved by like 26 games or something right. like and Joe that. Joe Vavra said that the, the analytics and the use of it, whether it was putting together a game plan, specific plan for attacking a hitter, right. attacking a pitcher, he really felt the analytics and how they used them was a big part of it. And you believe him because if you look at that rotation, I mean, really, it was Santana, Barrios. Gibson was the same guy that he was the year before, which is to say, I think, below average. It wasn't a rotation that made you go, wow, in any way, shape, or form. Hitters got better, no question about it. But they improved by 26 games. It was an astounding turnaround, given that their pitching wasn't really remarkably better. Yeah, it's uh, Thad Levine is a uh, former we worked for the Indians for a long time. He's the, uh, now the GM. GM of the Twins. Uh, they hired him. They had Terry Ryan in the ultimate old school organization before right. that. Who had come back after after retiring. Yeah. All right, guys, we're looking forward to seeing this spring. Uh, number one, I would say uh, Miggy and to see what type of shape he is in and whether Victor Martinez has uh, gotten some of his athleticism returned and Jordan Zimmerman's velocity and also Joey Menez's velocity. I think that's one of the number ones. And I, I guess it was Brian Pena was quoted as saying he, it was kind of a wow in the bullpen. Well, and you can't tell a lot about the bullpens, but you know what? You can tell if you're Brian Pena, the catcher, what kind of life there is on his fastball and whether it's back. He had no life we on his fastball last year. We did not see it. And uh, I don't know whether it was the uh, – he did have it at the World Baseball Classic, but I don't know whether it was getting thrown off track from that. Um, but uh, Joey Menez was a different pitcher in, in, in uh, 2016 and 17 just in terms of his stuff. Right. Completely different. No, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Iro Labor, I mean, he was a walking inning guy at AAA. He was a walking inning guy at the major leagues. He didn't show a lot. But those who saw him at AA say it is a power left arm. I'm intrigued by it. And I'm intrigued by a guy. I mean, because you think of Chris Basio has that track record of taking guys with talent who've underperformed and making them into something. You'll know a lot about Christian I mean, Stewart, these are too. These are the kind of, I look for the power arms that they have. Who can Chris Basio make better because right now this bullpen is full of nothing but question marks. You'll know a lot about Christian Stewart, too, uh, when he goes in. It's not going to be. He's going to hit a couple of room service fastballs way out of it. Right. Because, you know, he's got power, and it's not going to be. You are not going to be able to judge whether no. he's ready for the major leagues but this spring. When he when base hits out I'm the left field. I'm looking forward to watching him, though. Left field. Ground ball or base hit. Uh, runner on first, uh, how quickly does he get the ball in, how efficiently is because he doesn't have a good arm. Right. So he has to pick it up, get it in there quickly, 
Uh, will he be able to do that? Will you see some guys take off on him? Will he make decent throws right. and get to it quickly? That that would be something you can right, tell. Right, because you can't be talking about him as a DH. I just think that's, that's a terrible way. It's a way to ruin a player's career at age 23, and that's how they're talking because of his defense. Yeah, well, it's his arm specifically. He's not the best uh, speed guy or athlete, um, he's, but he's not terrible that way, but he really struggles to throw. Yeah, the top prospects will probably see all of them one level or another. I mean – I doubt we'll see Matt Manning, but a Bo Burrows, even though he's not in camp, that's a guy that you might see for an inning or two here and there. Yeah. A Franklin Perez, an inning or two. Fajardo's in camp. I'm really intrigued You're to see, see this you'll guy. You'll see him in a game. I can't wait to see what if he looks like. If he's uh, dealing well. We yeah, because he's on the fast track. Gregory yeah. Soto was a minor league pitcher of the year. Lefty, I'm looking forward to seeing him. You'll see Kyle Funkhauser. I will bring the funk. <laughs> Kyle Funkhauser <laughs> will definitely get some major league uh, uh, spring change. You know, the prospects will be... Instead the, the of just throw-ins. Are, are further away. Yeah, instead of just throw-ins, though, they'll be like, hey, we get to see the guy. And I'll never forget fun. when we saw Carlos Correa at shortstop. He was 19, I want to say. But his first spring appearance, he looked like a player. He just did. He had that frame. He was big. And he had the actions. And it was just, you know, they were just giving him a couple of innings in one of the games that Tigers played the Astros in Kissimmee. I remember it to this day. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Will, will Isaac Paredes get just a cameo for an inning or two? Wouldn't be surprised. But you'll always but he's one of the more exciting position prospects the Tigers have. And when the, if those guys pop and they hit it, you always remember that. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of it. You always remember that. He's Dan Dickerson on Pat Caputo. Uh, it's Tiger Talk. Coming up next, Tigers pitching coach Chris Bazio will join us. 97 won the ticket. 248-539-9797. But hold that. Uh, thought because uh, now we're going to be from Florida, uh, joined by the Tigers pitching coach. First year with the Tigers, but not this first as a major league pitching coach by <laughs> any measure. Uh, it's Chris Bazio. How are you, Chris? Doing good. Hi, guys. How's oh, everything? Man, everything's good up here. I'm looking forward to coming down next next week because I hear it's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, mid seventies, and I guess tomorrow it's going to be another eighty degree day. So things are going good down here. <laughs> Well, it's good for getting the pitchers loose and ready. Um, you know, and you've got a lot of uh, pitchers who are, I don't know, either trying to get there or coming back on the comeback trail. And uh, you've been put in charge to, the, to fix it. And I've learned enough talking to pitching coaches down through the years that you just can't put your hand on their forehead like a faith healer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're fixed. Um, what are your early impressions of your staff? And uh, what have you liked so far? Well, early impressions are the same as when I came over here and signed in October. I, uh, I'm excited to work with this group. I've, you know, I've been in four different organizations as a pitching coach, and I think collectively this is probably the most power arms that I've seen. Um, the thing that I'm already excited to see and really pleased to see is some of the improvement that a number of these guys have already made in a short period of time in camp. When you got the job, you, you went right to work, didn't you? And you did not take this job lightly, meaning that you, you could have gone other places, but you chose Detroit. There's a lot of history here and, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of players on the team. I mean, I talk about my days as a Milwaukee brewer in the American league and they're, they're like, wait, what? The Brewers played in the American League? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm aging myself a little bit, but 
you know, you guys remember back in that American League East, it was they called it the American League Beast back then because of Baltimore and Boston and New York and and Detroit and us, and it was in Toronto. It was tough. It was it was hard growing up in that, but you learned how to survive. It taught you how to be a major leaguer. Um, those are the things that I remember the most was pitching in Old Tiger Stadium and my visits to Detroit and how much I, I enjoyed the area and the fact that my my wife was born and raised here only added to it. So there were some things that definitely attracted me here, yes. I remember doing a pregame with you in, in at Wrigley Field one time when you were with the Cubs, and you talked about you have a you have a terrific track record of taking guys who have talent who have underperformed elsewhere and put up some pretty good numbers with the Cubs, whether it's Arietta or Jason Hamill or Pedro Strope, uh, Kyle Hendricks. And I remember you talking about using your misses and working up and down in the strike zone north and south versus east and west. Can you just talk about some of the things that you feel work because it, it is a pretty solid track record of making guys better? Well, coming up as a young pitcher, baseball was east and west. And – I think the easiest reference for everybody is to think about the Atlanta Braves. And I had a catcher by the name of Charlie O'Brien who was with us in Milwaukee, who I threw to, and we traded him into Atlanta. He went on to catch, I believe, four Cy Youngs with Atlanta. And we were big believers in expansion, knock guys off the plate. And back then, if you hit a guy, you, you weren't getting suspended. You Guys pitched in, and they went in off, and they would hit – it would literally hit multiple guys on purpose, try to take their bat out of the lineup. Well, you can't do that anymore. And now the strike zone is being scrutinized, and it's a, there's a testing component that the umpires go through on a daily basis. There's a testing component for the, our catchers, and it's more of a north and south league than ever. Most of your misses for most, most pitchers are going to be up in the zone. Uh, One thing that we are stressing here is dominate the bottom of the zone. I'm a big believer in soft contact, quick outs. Thus far, our catchers and Steve Little, our bench coach, and our new catching instructor is doing a fabulous job. Uh, Guardy's message early about dominating the zone, trusting our defense. Guys, we have to be a pitching and defense organization. Offense is a luxury even though we, in my opinion, we have the greatest hitter at first base of our time in Cabrera. We got to, we got to make it so that if we get that one big hit from Miggy or any one of our other players, it makes a difference in our games. We can't let our games get out of hand. So there's a couple different philosophies in there. The North and South, yes, dominate the bottom pitching and defense. And, you know, I learned some, from some of the best guys in the Brewers organization. My mentor was Pete Vukovic. Taught me how to change speeds three different ways with each pitch that I had to keep mm. the hitter guessing. That, in a sense, is what I try to pass on to all our guys. You're, you're going to see variations of elevation. We're going to pitch inside. We may or may not lead the league and hit batsmen, but, you know, as Vuki and Ted Simmons used to tell me, if it's it's sometimes it's either hit or be hit, and if you hit him, you know exactly where he's at. <laughs> you know, uh, you mentioned the uh, the soft can- contact, quick outs. Uh, you, could, you you were pitching coach in Chicago with the Cubs for 
several years, very analytic-based organization. That kind of goes against the, uh, hey, more miss bats uh, thing that's been going on. Can you talk a little bit about the balance of what you're talking about with that, with, uh, you know, the new school metrics uh, that you're so well, been incorporated in? You know, Theo Epstein wanted that when he came over, and he made it very clear in our interview process uh, seven years ago now when I went to Chicago with, with Dale Swain from Milwaukee. Um, you know, we, we used advanced metrics. Uh, we started doing spin rate stuff back then. Um, and then the next thing that came into play was this launch angle stuff about being able to get the ball in the air. And our numbers told us that hitters were having field days with pitches down in the zone because the umpire strike zone, they stopped calling it. They started calling the stopped calling the ball off the plate, and they became better down and away because now the balls are more hittable. They, right. Then they really started spinning on stuff inside unless it was in off the plate. So we had to adjust. And I talk about pitching the triangles, pitching the daylight areas. And if you th- can just think about the catcher's body where the catcher sits up, there's four main daylight areas on the catcher. One's underneath, one's inside his, his arms, one's outside his arms, and the other two being above his shoulders. Well, I had already talked about not really staying away because you're kind of hitting into their nitro zone now. So basically it turns it into four spots, in, under, and up. That's where the north and south philosophy comes into play. Um, we've we brought some Rapsodo programs into play here with Detroit. We introduced them uh, today in a bullpen session. A couple guys already checked out, you know, what they can do, spitting out real-time information. So it, it puts you in a position to succeed. And our analytic department is going to take advantage of that stuff, putting in the information. And what that does is it presents information to us that's based on scouting reports for pitchers and hitters that we can apply in real time for our games and for our players. And, um, you know, the bottom line is I was not a believer in this stuff when it first came out. Hmm. It works. We have to buy into this. We got to get our players to buy in this. And things like this, our players, there are so many different applications out there for our kids, for our players. And, you know, that's what's driving our society right now is all these different apps. Why not try to take advantage of something that's going to really get their attention? And we really believe that we're onto something here and we've got our players attention because we're starting to see the results. And then if you can implement these programs and, and watch them get the results and I'm a hundred percent confident there will be improvement. Um, then we're really going to start to see the results that we all want, not hope for that. We want uh, Chris, it's fascinating stuff. It really great is. Stuff. Dan and I, we, we talk about this all the time and uh, we hope to educate the fans on that quite a bit. Appreciate it. Good luck to you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. We'll see you next week. There you go. Chris Chris Basio, Tigers pitching coach. There it is. I mean, you talked about all the years with the Cubs organization, all the analytics. How do they put it to use? And the main thing is, do the players buy in and do they understand it? That's the the biggest thing. And clearly he believes in it, and it can make a huge difference. Well, you know, I thought one of the fascinating things he talked about, they don't give him that pitch that's three inches outside because of those boxes anymore. 
And, it's easier uh, to hit a ball over the plate than it is three inches off the plate. Right, and uh, that's no longer a strike, and they used, umps used to give them that. But they don't anymore with the boxes, the track. So that's part of the way it's changed. But anyway, Double D, the last show where you'll be in Florida, the 23rd. Next Wednesday, I'll join you by phone. First game, the 23rd, 23rd. against the Yankees Stays in Tampa. Game. So there you go. <laughs> but anyway, uh, great. And uh, coming up next, Pistons Night, 97 won the ticket. 